Welcome to Valley Sports Rewind. I thought I would do the intro for this particular episode of Valley Sports Rewind. But before we get to anything, Mike, that's my dog under the table. We're recording this in my kitchen in Derby, and my dog Sophie's trying to take a nap, and she just groaned. Even she hates my podcast. Uh, All right, so the Derby Athletic Hall of Fame, the Derby High School Athletic Hall of Fame is happening Sunday, April 28th. 12.30 12.30 p.m. at Vazzy's Four Seasons, 337 Kenyon Street in Stratford. The doors open at noon. It's $50 a person, cash or check. Checks can be made out to the Derby Athletic Hall of Fame. Payments can be mailed to Derby High School, 75 Chatfield Street, 06418 in Derby. Make it attention Jen Moffitt. To reserve a table, please email Tom Abel at Tom. Dot C dot Abel A B E L at L M C O dot com. Also, if you want to sponsor an ad in the book they're putting together, $25 quarter page, half page, 50 bucks, full page, $100. Any questions, call Mike Kenichi at 203 305 So you sent me that like a week ago. And uh, I forgot to put it online because I'm 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 drowning. I'm sorry, Mike. So there it is. There's our ad for. Don't. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, The good thing is I also sent it out to a couple of newspapers. And no, that's I don't. All right, let's moving on. (laughs) Moving on. So for this episode of Valley Sports Rewind, Mike had messaged me. I had shared something on Facebook, on my personal page, about this Vice, the entertainment thing, the hipster millennial love, the uh, entertainment media organization, uh, doing this documentary, I think it's called The Dark Side of the Ring, about uh, wrestling. Yeah, Dark Side of the Ring. It comes out in like a week or so. As we're recording this on uh, April 2nd, 2019. And then you had messaged me and said, hey, we just missed the 32nd anniversary of... WrestleMania 3, which came out uh, March 29th, 1987. And then the big thing was, what was the, the main event was? It was uh, Hulk Hogan, who was the champion, and he took on Andre the Giant. And that was the first time in Andre the Giant's career he played the bad guy. So. And I thought, like, it, it brought back a lot of memories to me. And you're like, oh, too bad we, we didn't uh, do a podcast. But I'm like, oh, heck, let's try it. Let's try it. Right. So here we are in my uh, echo-filled kitchen uh, recording on a cell phone and a handheld device. Um, Whatever it takes, right? There's been, I think, this whole like resurgence in that 80s era, which I've learned from Google is called the golden era of the WWF, right. now WWE. Uh, there's a, I mean, we just had the Andre the Giant documentary come out a month or two ago on HBO. Right. We've got this Vice thing uh, coming out. There's, there's a lot of interest in uh, the, those golden years. So you grew up uh, here in Derby. Right. Like, what type of wrestling fan were you? How how committed? I was very committed. I got into it around 1986. I uh, 
there was the big match for WrestleMania too. It was going to be Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy, who just and, passed away. Yeah, rest in peace, on, King Kong yeah, Bundy. God rest his soul. And he had like attacked Hulk Hogan. And back then, when you saw like a big guy attack somebody like that, you just looked at them as a bully and stuff. So that really got me interested because I wanted to see Hulk Hogan beat him. And about how old were you then? Uh, let's see. That was eighty six. I was nine years old. I was like two months away from being ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I first really started to kind of like follow it. Now, I didn't see WrestleMania 2 because I still wasn't totally committed. But by the summer that year, I was fully committed. And so who were your guys? Who, who I mean, Hulk Hogan was my favorite guy. I really liked Bret the Hitman Hart. If I had to pick just a wrestler, he was probably my all-time favorite. I like Tito Santana. I know you probably remember him. Oh, yeah. I got a story about Tito. Yeah, I like the ultimate warrior. I know a lot of people try to rag on him and say he was no talent. That's ridiculous. You know, and I like some of the the tag teams. I like the British Bulldogs. They were very good. You know, the Killer Bees, the Rougeau brothers. I mean, Demolition. There's so many guys. I mean, I... I'm trying to think at the top of my head, but there were so many I was into. And then in Derby, were there? Did you have other friends, other young people growing up in Derby or Ansonia, that other far off magical place next door, that also watched wrestling? Oh yeah. Or was it, okay. Let's put it this way: we'll get into it. But WrestleMania three, I had like two friends over because everybody wanted to see that event. It, they advertised it so much, and we all used to talk about it. You know, my father had always told me it was fake. But when you're watching it, you still feel like it's real. And I'm telling you, like, that was the conversations at the bus stop all the time. Yeah, I remember. Like, I, I, I'm slightly older than you because uh, in, in 86, I was, uh, well, I was like 12. And I remember distinctly, like, I was addicted. Me and my older brother, Jimmy, were addicted to the old school WWF. Oh, yeah. It used to play, I believe, I tried to find it, so I could be wrong here. I think it was on WOR, Channel 9 in New York, out of Secaucus, New Jersey, was where they were, where they were based. Just at, at midnight, either on Friday or Saturdays, there would be Vince McMahon in the yellow, like, mustard jacket. Had, yeah. Doing yeah. right. It, it, it clearly, I looking back, oh, it must have been in some studio somewhere because it was all black behind him. He would do the interviews right there in front, yeah. of, the, in front of the ring. Uh and just like I would, we subscribed to multiple wrestling magazines in those days. Oh, yeah. uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah, I was uh, a big fan of that. I love. Yeah. It. Apparently, Bill, it's still Bill, around. Yep. Bill, Bill After, After man, yep. he was. Yeah. yeah, the guy Eddie Elner who hated all the good guys. Right. Yep. You know the wrestler. I think <clears throat> they were all owned by the same company. Yes. The, I never knew um, that. Stanley Weston, I think, founded it. Yeah. So I mean, and Bill After, I mean, like to me, he's like. Whatever you want to call him, the king of wrestling magazines. I mean, he was me and my big. brother. We would make uh, we would take like you know loose leaf notebook stuff and we would draw. We would make our own wrestling magazines oh, like wow. with our own storylines cool. and yeah. stuff. Like we were way into it. Inside wrestling was another one. Yeah, uh, but it was like I was I kind of stopped watching. Maybe this is I should go to therapy. But once they brought in Cindy Lauper, because I was real to me. Yeah, like my father never told me. No, this is this is not to me. It was right. real, and I yeah. remember like growing up, nobody else, none of my friends really watched it. But so I kind of felt like, you know, a little less than for watching it because people tended to look down uh, on right. wrestling at that point. Uh, but it was real. It was uh, to me. I was totally. I remember like learning that it it was not exactly real. Right. <laughs> it was well, like crushing. I think I think at the time when you watched it because you had said you stopped when they kind of brought Cindy Lauper and. It did look 
more believable back then because Vince McMahon's father had owned the business at the time. And those and guys based here in Connecticut in Stanford. Yeah. And those guys back in the day, you know, were big on never exposing the business. You know, you don't ever want to say it's fake. But Vince McMahon, you know, Vince Jr., he's um he had a different idea about wrestling. He wanted to make it more entertainment. And when he kind of took over, he offended a lot of people from the old territories. I mean, there were a lot of guys who did not like him. I mean, Vern Gagne, I'm sure you're familiar sure, with him. Sure, yeah, yeah. He, you know, if Vern Gagne had his way, he would have found McMahon somewhere and, you know, made him disappear. I really believe that. And there was that, I loved, like, uh, the, sort of that pre-rock and roll connection era yeah. Where like Lou Albano started appearing at uh, in Cindy Lauper videos. My dog keeps moaning. Yeah. She never he does, does this. He's into the conversation. So yeah, like she, uh, yeah. they, there was something quaint about it. Looked like it was filmed. You know, there was something dangerous about those old cheap shows. You know, they yeah. looked. They weren't really. There wasn't a lot of production value to them. No. And I remember distinctly on a UHF uh, TV. You know, you'd put the on the UHF thing with the rabbit ears. And for whatever reason, in Somers, New York, where I grew up, we could pick up Florida wrestling. And there was like uh, uh, Gordon, I think his name is Gordon. Gordon Sully. Yep. Yes. Yeah, Gordon yeah. Sully was oh, so... a legendary announcer. I mean, he started play-by-play. Play. I mean, people loved listening to him. And, you know, you had Ole Anderson who yes. kind of ran the Georgia territory, which was very big. And Ole Anderson to this day, you know, if you ever heard him, he does not give Vince McMahon anybody credit. It's funny how they're all yeah. like, yeah, they're all, yeah. he kind of ruined it for yeah. them. Yeah, because he know. took over the whole the whole planet, essentially. Yeah. But Ole Anderson, that Georgia program was very popular. It was, you know, a lot of people in Connecticut had WTBS at the time. Oh, right. Was, that's where yeah. that got all and pushed, all that stuff. And that's where their wrestling was. They had Georgia. They had the NWA. Yeah, yeah. Rick Flair. was. Yeah. That's where he's yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. Nick Bockwinkel and the AW. Wait, did I just get that wrong? Who was the AWA? Was that Nick Bockwinkel? Nick Bockwinkel, And Ric yes. Flair was NWA and like NWA. Bob Backlund before yeah. Hogan was. And then, was... you know, another federation, which I'm sure you probably saw, it was on ESPN a lot, was run by Fritz Von Erich. He had the Von Erich. The Texas Suns, ones, yeah. World-class championship wrestling. Yes. And I really enjoyed watching that. I mean, that looked believable, too. Kerry Von Erich, yeah, Kevin, uh, Kevin Von, David, David Von Erich. Yeah, Mike, and then you had the Freebirds. And who all, uh, the Von Erichs were just like the saddest story. Uh, let me tell you. They all died, essentially. It, Mike Von, even the young guy. I, Chris, yeah. Chris, okay, A lot okay, of sorry. them were self-inflicted, too, which is the most disturbing thing is that poor guy, that those poor parents, they actually had a sick son. I don't know if you knew that. They had a son named Jackie, and he accidentally electrocuted himself when he was six years old Jeez. and died. He was their oldest son. And out of the six sons, you know, Jackie's was obviously accident, accidental. But out of those six sons, only one is alive. And the other five that died, four of them were by suicide. So, you that's know. Just, yeah, that's it's yeah, just it's, horrible. Yeah. And that's part of that uh, Vice documentary. I'm trying to bring up a write-up here on my laptop. But I'm having, like, technical problems everywhere today. Yeah. I can't even get it to come up. I wanted to see when it's coming on. But the uh, Viceland Dark Side of the Ring docuseries... Uh, one of the things they're gonna they're gonna talk about one of the episodes, I guess, is gonna be dedicated uh, solely to that Von Erich uh, story. Yeah. And the other thing they're gonna talk about is uh, it premieres uh, April tenth, uh, nine p.m. 
I'm not exactly sure where, but yeah. uh, that's next Wednesday, I believe. Oh yeah, so that's yeah. coming right. They, they're gonna. T- oh, it's directed by the guy who made Hobo with a Shotgun. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. It's a great. Uh, no, it's, it's, I a, it's a B movie, but it's a deliberate B movie. Uh, Bruiser Brody. I don't know if you remember oh, him. He of was course. The, the, Bruiser Brody and another guy who died tragically. Yeah, they're gonna you know? concentrate on that. I I totally forgotten about that. He you got know, stabbed to death. He got stabbed, and everybody knows who did it. And the guy got off. He yeah. got off, and he continued to work. You know, OJ got found not guilty. We know he was guilty, but he got found not guilty. Nobody wanted to touch him. This guy, basically, everybody knows he did it, and he's still working. He just he's moved still, on. Yeah. You and know. I didn't realize, like, Bruiser Brody had a whole reputation of just being pretty difficult to work with. He was a real unique personality. Well, he was also a, what they call a booker, too. He booked a lot of events, and he was the type of guy that, like, you know... He was going to do it his way, no matter what you asked him to do. You know, if you remember Bobby Heenan, which I'm sure you do. Sure, the brain. He did not like working for Bruiser Brody. He worked with him briefly. And he said Bruiser Brody never wanted to pay anybody good. And speaking of that, the other thing that Vice thing is going to concentrate on is Fabulous Moolah. Yes. Who has a whole other... I mean, she was, of course, the the, the by far most famous female wrestler... Uh, forever, yeah. Until Wendy Richter came along during that whole rock and roll connection yeah. type that that thing. But Moolah, the allegations against her is that she was basically a a tyrant. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy. I don't you even know, want to go I, into I, some of it. I think how she was know, either evil or I don't know what. You know, and that could be true. But you know, think about the guy who's running the world right now as far as wrestling goes, Vince McMahon, and. He gets all the credit for the marketing. He's a great promoter, everything. But he he is not exactly a saint either. I mean, if you listen to a lot of interviews, him and his wife, it sounds like they both treated a lot of these wrestlers very bad. You know, didn't pay them good and, you know... Didn't they never want to be accountable for anything? There was no like, yeah, you growing up, you think like these guys are part of a team, but they were really all treated like independent contractors. Yeah, pretty much. In a way, disposable. It's at least if you read uh, yeah, how they because, all. You know, they weren't like they were cared for. A, yeah, you don't have to give them a pension. You don't have to give them insurance. But at the same time, you want them everywhere. If they get hurt, you want them everywhere. I mean, one one day you got to listen to an old interview with Bam Bam Bigelow. He basically had two knees that needed surgery, but they told him if he didn't come to the show, he was going to be fired. You got it. Although yeah. I guess that's changed now that it's modernized oh, yeah. well, now, and now it's I all, mean, yeah. Yeah, now. It had, yeah, there was like a circus type uh, uh, atmosphere uh, back that. Bam Bam Bigelow, I forgot about him. I'm thinking yeah. about Ox Baker too. His oh, famous wow. scene of Escape Ox from Baker. New York. He was, you know, and, but a lot of these guys were just tremendous performers because a lot of them you were scared of. I'll tell you right now. I mean, I was scared of a lot of these guys when I was a kid. Did you ever, did you see wrestling live? Like, I know oh, yeah. you used to go to the Coliseum. Is that right? New Haven? New or? Haven. And okay. I saw a tape in one time. You know, the big thing was Hulk Hogan was going to wrestle Hercules in the main event. And what was uh, it, the main event, the TV show? Or what was well, the, ma- was the main event? It. Of so, your thing. Okay, go ahead. So anyway, that was why everybody was trying to get tickets because it was very rare to see Hulk Hogan live. So we got the tickets, but what we didn't realize was. That was going to be the match off camera. It, you know, like how they do a match off camera? Yep. That would be the match. The rest of it was four tapings of their, like, superstars of wrestling. And I just, I'll never forget. He was, Hercules came out and he was wrestling a guy by the name of Mario Mancini, who's still in Connecticut to this day. Mario was, like, one of their jobbers. 
Wait, he, did Mario Mancini? I believe he's a lawyer now. His name's Leonard something. I forget what his real name is. Like. I'm trying to remember. We had an intern at the Valley Indie named Vanessa, and her father was a WWF wrestler. I it wonder if that's be, the. Yeah, it, he does have. I a can't couple remember daughters, the. Okay, but that match, I'll never forget it. We all thought Hoke wasn't showing up because we were young and we just. And everybody in the crowd is chanting Hogan's name during that match. Uh, and it was just part of the taping. And, you know, Hogan did finally show up at the end. He fought Hercules. But I'll just never forget going to that taping that night. You know, that night I saw Adrian Adonis. He cut Brutus Beefcake's hair by accident. Now, is this, this is the Adrian Adonis when he had the blonde hair, yeah, flamboyant yeah, hair? Yeah, okay. the flamboyant Because he started off, he was a New York City tough guy. He would, like, you know. Yeah, well, they changed his and they character. They changed his character. Yeah, they that's put a him weird with Jimmy thing Hart, to, and yeah. they kind of, he kind of really touched on that whole new way that wrestling was going. You know, I'm sure you remember a guy by the name of Goldust. He was a little freak. Yeah, that was, that was kind of... I, I had Rhodes stopped watching... Son. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes' son, Dustin. I got a Dusty Rhodes doll and, upstairs. But Adrian Adonis kind of took... Back then, it was unheard of to do stuff like that. And they took a lot of heat for his character. Yeah. But, you know, and, you know, of course, Adrian Adonis, another sad story. Him and his friend... Well, him and a few wrestlers, they were taking a drive to go to the next town they were going to work in. And they tried to avoid a moose, and they couldn't. And th- three of them died, including him, and only one survived in one of the worst car accidents That's ever. That's insane. I mean, some of those guys have such bizarre yeah. demises. I mean, oh, you know. I know. I mean, uh, you can't. And so many of them. If you watch WrestleMania three, we're, we're going to get into that a little. So many of the guys on that card are now deceased, and none of them. Like, Andre the Giant, if he were alive right now, he'd be 73 years old. He's been dead for 25 years. Though. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because yeah. now we're like the age where these guys started dying off. Yeah. You, you, they look, they seem so old when you're younger. But, yeah, but I remember I saw a couple of live wrestling matches. I grew up in in, uh, in New York, in Westchester County. The county center was in White Plains, New York. It was, kind of, it was a small venue, and they would have live wrestling. Uh, and my, my father, we a couple of times, he would get there early to uh, get autographs you'd see the guys coming oh, yeah. in yeah. and I was real young and I remember Tito Santana he was driving like a Peugeot it was like this sports car I don't know if that's how you say it but he comes out and he's got like the you know he looked like he was going to the office except he had like his shirt open and some chest hair and he yeah. was carrying I believe he was the intercontinental champion at the time yeah he, he did was, hold it for two times he was yeah. carrying the belt in and he goes past me and, we're, and I was like oh can I have your autograph and I remember he goes he just looks at me he goes I, I, I gotta go in I gotta I got train like and he wouldn't give me an autograph. He, didn't give you an autograph. he wouldn't give me an autograph. Oh, wow! And I was crushed. You know what I mean? Like you're like what? But even more bizarre. And I've told the story a lot. And who knows if I'm getting it right anymore at this at this age? But Iron Mike Sharp, oh, the he, bad guy. He was a funny guy. Yeah, he Iron comes Mike. walking by and he's got that thing. You know, he's carrying the yeah. thing he would put on his forearm yeah. with, the, with the foreign objects or whatever it was. And I was terrified. I'm like, oh my god! And he just walks up to me. He like pats me on it. Hey, how's it going? But he gives me the autograph yeah. like without even me asking, and it was just so mind blowing that Tito, my hero, yeah. gave me the high hat. And but now years later, I go to Monster Mania in uh, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I try to go yeah. like it, it's a huge uh, horror movie thing, but those things they always have wrestlers there and it's always Tito Santana was there yeah and the, it's kind of sad to see some of them Greg the Hammer Valentine yeah they kind of get 
put out with the general public. You know, they'll have like the guy who played uh, Freddy Krueger, Robert England. He's a private room. You have to wait on four hours, wait on the line for four hours to get his autograph, which I never right. know. But you can go right up to Greg Valentine, be like, hey, what's up, Hammer? And he'll just, he's just right there. Yeah. Uh, and the Iron Sheik, too, which is like <laughs> the Iron Sheik, he'd go out, he was, he had him outside in a, in a, in a tent, uh, you know, a giant tent. And he would have to take breaks every like 15 minutes, right? And I'm like, he's, he's, he's pounding beers. He's just going outside and just yeah. pounding cans of beer. Uh, we got him to say stuff about Artie Lang. But anyway, that was my, uh, my one story. And King Kong Mosca. I, I remember King Kong Mosca. We had front row seats at the county center. And King Kong Mosca, I don't remember who he was fighting, but he came flying out of the ring right in front of me and my brother. And my brother Jimmy reached down and touched him, like tapped him on the shoulder. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill us. Yeah. And he came back, looked at us. But there's a great video of uh, King Kong Mosca, like at age 70, Getting into a fist fight with a former Canadian, they were, he played. They played uh, Canadian football. Yeah, these two guys go to some kind of alumni reunion, and there's some lingering grudge from the '60s between the two of them. And they get into a these two old guys get into a fist fight. It's just really yeah, yeah. You got to Google it. You know, but anyway, and you, you brought up Iron Mike Sharp. He he passed away not too long ago. And what's really unique about him is. He kind of played a jobber. I didn't know he, didn't know he died. Yeah, a few oh, years man. ago. He played a jobber in the ring. But they said in real life in the locker room, nobody messed with him. He was a legit tough guy. He really was. And then Tito Santana, what's unique about him is his whole career, he played a good guy. You know, usually these guys, they turn them bad, good, Yeah, yeah, bad. They do whatever. Yeah, he yeah. never turned bad. He always played the good guy his whole career. And he was the type of guy, too. You kind of felt sorry for him because... He would win against the jobbers, but anytime he seemed to wrestle like a guy they were trying to like build up, he had to be the guy to make him look good and get beat. And that, yeah, that seemed like to be that whole intercontinental thing. Because I think back like before him, I remember when I religiously watched it was Pedro Morales, who also yeah, just recently yeah, passed yeah. away, but lived lived to, to a ripe old age. Uh, and he, they never really, they were awesome, but they never really got the, no. they they never got well, their you know, shot at the. We kind of missed, maybe not you as much, but. I never really got to see Pedro or Tito when they were really having their big run because by the time I started watching, Tito had lost the belt to the Macho Man. And then after that, Tito had like a little run a little run as tag team champion. But after that, he was just there to put guys over and to yeah, make them look good. That was you pretty know? much And it. Pedro Morales was towards the end of his career. He was big in the 70s. Yeah. He had some great matches with Bruno. Yeah. yeah, I remember like I remember distinctly when Bob Backlund was champion. That's really when I was like I remember being crushed when the Iron Sheik beat him at the first. Was it that was that at WrestleMania? Was no, not WrestleMania. Was... It was um, it was at oh, Madison that's right. Square Garden. The, his manager threw in the towel. He what? He, yeah, and that was the end of Bob Backlund. And what? So the first WrestleMania was that when that was, uh, Hogan that was, won? No, no, I'm no. confused. Hogan won at a regular house show at Madison Square Garden. Okay, he beat the Iron Sheik. WrestleMania won. Was didn't come till 1985. It was March 31st. What was the main event? It was, was Hulk it Mr. Hogan T? and Mr. T versus Rowdy Rowdy Piper and oh Mr. right, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff. Yeah. I think I I think I watched the first WrestleMania on closed circuit television when that was a thing. I think we went up to like the Poughkeepsie Civic Center and watched it on a screen. Yeah, and my, you know my father paid whatever astronomical yeah, place. The price McMahons to do that. put a lot of money into that because if that didn't do good, they were going to lose their house. That they were going to lose everything. And that transformed. That that put wrestling over, made it oh, extremely yeah. well, you mainstream. You had Cindy Lauper there. You had Liveracci there. You had Billy Martin, the guest ring announcer. <laughs> Billy Martin. Yeah. You know, you had like a... 
He went and got he had the Rockettes. He had an assembled cast. I mean, That's guy so knows funny. how to market it. You can never take that away from him. One of the most watched Valley Indie videos we've ever done was Linda McMahon running for Senate one of her yeah. times. And she was in Ansonia. And at the end of it, you know, I asked her a couple of questions. Uh, it's so hard to interview politicians because, uh, you know, yeah. what, do you, what do you ask them that's different? Uh, and then I was just, I got to do this because George the Animal Steel had just been profiled <laughs> in the Washington Post. Maybe he, had, I don't know if he had just passed away. He, he had somehow made it or maybe it was a quote about her. Maybe they had interviewed him about her. I think that's what it was. And so I asked her, did you ever think you'd live to see George the Animal Steel quoted in the Washington Post? And she gave me like this animal because George Animal Steel was like the complete opposite of his ring persona. He was a really smart guy. He was a professor. And a, yeah, like yeah. a teacher. Yeah. So she was really cool. And that got like a billion views on a page you generated no money for us. But but whatever. All right. So let's get to the uh, stated topic. We had talked about Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan and sort yeah. of this. I guess this match is known for the anniversary of which it was uh, the end of March, 32 years ago. It was the official passing of the torch. Uh, you from know, Andre and I, I hate I think this might have been because I'm uncovering memories here I loved Andre the Giant Andre the Giant was everybody's favorite wrestler and I hated the fact that they made him a bad guy I think yeah. that turned me off to wrestling and you know what it was like when the 86 Mets everyone was gone the next year and then it yeah. turns out they were all doing coke soul crushing to a young boy yeah and you know the thing about Andre when you saw him he was in great shape and stuff at this point he had a lot of health issues that people didn't realize. His back was killing him. He needed a knee replacement. And when the doctor was thinking about doing a knee replacement, they said to Andre, you know, I've never done a knee this big. I don't know if this replacement's going to work because they've never done an operation on somebody with a knee that big. So, I mean, the poor guy went through a lot of health issues. The fact that he made it out to the ring that night is a credit to him. That's one of the things in that in that documentary Although I think that like, some of these documentaries that are coming out now, there's this new trend because documentaries are so hot now on like Netflix and, and HBO. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're a lot of times they're produced by the people who are there. You know, I think WWE See, my, had had a had a I think they had a say in the documentary. But basically, one of the things that it comes out of it is that Andre essentially gave his life for the sport. Oh, because he, he never yeah. had he had that form of and I'm going to get the name wrong. It was like a form of it was gigantism. He he had that. Yeah, the giant's disease. Yeah. But he never really got it treated. No, because and, he was always worried that well he had to put on a show and he had to you know he was worried that he, he, he was a, it was an asset for him uh, in yeah. some way. So he's sort of a sad story because he died so young. Yeah, he was 46 years old. Yeah. But, you know, the build-up to him turning bad, this is what I mean now. Like, I can't watch wrestling now because they don't try to build on anything. They try to have, like, a you know, a storyline with somebody in a week and try to settle it the next week. And it's just not good TV. But they did such a great job building up to this match. It all started, like, in the spring of 86. Andre was supposed to go out for a tag team match. He didn't show up. The reason he didn't show up is because he got a part in the Princess Bride movie. I don't know if you ever saw that. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he got a part in there. So to have him off TV, they made it where he was suspended. Now fast forward a little bit in the summer, this new tag team comes out from Japan. They're called the Machines. You had Little Machine, you had Super Machine, and you had Giant Machine. Well, the Giant Machine... You know it's Andre under there. Oh, so I have could, no memory of this. Yeah, okay. You could tell. And Bobby the Brain Heenan was so adamant that it was Andre that he kept pushing 
for the you know WWF to take notice and do something about it. So the figurehead president at the time was this guy named Jack Tunney. He told oh, Bobby yeah. Heenan, if you could prove it's Andre, he'll be suspended forever. So the whole summer, you know, they built on that. Then you fast forward a little bit. He gets reinstated in November. And there was this big secret meeting and nobody would talk about the meeting. But Bobby Heenan was at the meeting. And when they would ask, like, well, what was said at the meeting, they kept saying, we can't talk about it. Now, fast forward to January, they give Hulk Hogan this big trophy for being champion for three years. Okay. Andre comes out and he sh- he comes out and Rowdy Piper saying, oh, it's Hulk Hogan's best friend in the whole world, Andre the Giant. <laughs> and Andre looks at him and goes, three years to be a champion. That's a long time. He shakes Hogan's hand. And I kid you not, the way I saw Hogan look at him when he shook his hand, because I guess he shook it pretty hard. I said, don't tell me they're making this guy turn bad. Because I just saw Mr. Wonderful do it to Hope. I'm like, don't tell me they're going to make Andre bad. Now, during right after that happens, Bobby Heenan's doing commentary with Gorilla Monsoon. And he's saying to Gorilla Monsoon, you know, I think it's a travesty that Andre the Giant's been undefeated for 15 years. And they don't give him nothing, but they give Hulk Hogan a trophy for being champion three years, right there I knew he was turning bad. And didn't they, didn't they give like Andre like a smaller, smaller trophy? trophy. Or <laughs> so but, the, but the funny thing is, is that Bobby Heenan hated the guy. He's trying to get him suspended. Now all of a sudden he's saying he should get a trophy. So you knew when they gave him the smaller trophy, and he walked, Hogan came out and said, "Thank you for doing this for Andre." When Ho- when Andre just walked away, you knew where they were going. And then just like picking up on that, this is a report from uh, BleacherReport.com, <clears throat> who at some point, I don't know when this was published, went into the history of this match. And they say, shortly thereafter, Hogan was a guest on Piper's Pit, hosted by Rowdy Roddy Piper. To the shock and awe of every fan watching, Andre the Giant confronted Hogan and revealed that he had aligned himself with Bobby the Brain Heenan. He then challenged Hogan to a match for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 3, which I remember. Yeah. And then they go into the kind of YouTube video officially from the WWE. Did you ever get a chance, though, Eugene? What, what did, wait, let me just ask you, though. Were you angry when they turned Andre the heel? Did you have the reaction that I um, had? No, I, I was more angry when Mr. Wonderful turned on Hulk Hogan. Because huh. I loved the way Mr. Wonderful looked. He had that body, and you always kind of dreamed you could look like that. And no steroids I, there. Yeah. I was crushed when he turned on Hulk Hogan. When Andre did, I was more worried that Andre was going to beat him. I didn't want Hogan. Ho- yeah, yeah, Andre was the giant. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you, it's a credit to Andre because he came across as this great guy for years and years, waved to the fans all the time. He really did a good job playing the bad guy. Right, he totally committed to it. But if you ever get a chance go on YouTube and watch that interview where he turns on Hogan, that's when you knew that something wasn't right with his health. Because he's wearing a sports jacket and he's got like a pink collared shirt, and you just see sweat all over the shirt. Hmm. Like, and then as a kid, you don't notice that, but when you watch it later, you really see that he was hurting. He just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It looks like, like he's in pain. Yeah, it looks like he's in total pain. And that was. A, then they had WrestleMania. What was it? What do we say? WrestleMania three. three and the whole Pontiac Silverdome. Yeah, and I think it was ninety three thousand and yeah. two hundred and seventy people, something like that, and. Uh, the card on there was just tremendous. 
But everybody was building up to that main event. I mean, what were some of the other matches? Well, I have, I don't remember. You remember the Macho Man, correct? Randy oh yeah, Savage. yeah, sure, sure. Well, also going to be in that Vice documentary for the way he right. treated Elizabeth. Well, Macho Man months earlier had damaged Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's throat with a ring bell, <laughs> and the, the angle was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat had a crushed, you know, larynx. He couldn't talk and stuff. So finally. Their feud was going to come to an end. The Steamboat was going to get a shot at Randy Savage's uh, Intercontinental belt. And the funny thing about the match was the big match was supposed to be Hogan and Andre. But this match stole the show. It was one of the best matches you'll ever see. And to this day, I could be wrong. I think it's still regarded as the best match ever in WrestleMania history. Mm. You know, and it just had and George the Animal was in Ricky's corner Obviously, Macho Man had Miss Elizabeth, but George ends up really costing the Macho Man the match. I've been trying to that because George was always obsessed with Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Right? Yeah, cannot do that. And that was a great storyline. That's for (laughs) another day. Ridiculous. You know, that's for another storyline. Then you had, uh, you know, you talked about King Kong Bundy. I'm sure you remember this. Do you remember WrestleMania three? He was in a mixed tag team match against Hillbilly Jim, where they both had midgets for partners. And Bundy got annoyed at the midget, and he slammed him and gave him an elbow drop. And Bundy was like, what, 460? Yeah, and he gave that poor midget, you know, an elbow drop. And I remember one of my friends who was there that night with me, he cried because he felt so bad for that midget. For the little guy, for the small person. So, you know, they had that match. You also had... The Honky Tonk Man. Oh, yeah. Against like Jake Elvis. the Snake Roberts. If you remember, the Honky Tonk had hit him over the head with a guitar. So they had that angle going on. And Jake Alice is... Cooper actually oh, no was kidding. in Jake's corner. Oh, man. Because he, he loves snakes, Alice Cooper. So that was the big story. Jake right the there. Snake's an interesting story. Like he, I mean, I remember when in college that first documentary of Note... As my dog chews. Sophie, don't chew I on the table. I think it was Beyond the Map. Beyond right? the Map, yeah. where it was Jake the Snake in the throes of his crack addiction, getting yeah. high. And he just, I mean, I guess, I, I, last I heard he's sober now, but he sort yeah. of made a second career of just talking about, uh, you know, being, he, he's, he's the wrestler. I guess the, the dude that ended up making that Mickey Rourke movie saw that documentary, and Jake the Snake was a big inspiration for the character right. Mickey Rourke plays uh, in The Wrestler, which is a movie like, I don't know, I think it's a little overrated. I liked it. He got nominated, I think, for an Oscar. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mickey works a whole other, there's a whole other podcast. That guy was supposed to be the next Brando, and he just kind of yeah, uh, went but that resurrected way, but his career. Then, yeah, maybe. for a little bit, yeah, and then he got a lot of uh, uh, whatever jobs. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny to hear, like, some of the stories in that Andre the Giant documentary that HBO did about, like, people he didn't like. Like, he wasn't a big fan of Macho Man. No, he didn't like Macho Man. He would didn't wear, like the warrior. He would, yeah. make, he would wear too much uh, body oil. oil. Yeah. Hogan tells that great story. Yeah. And also, apparently, he didn't like Big John Studd. Who, because uh, Big John Studd copied Andre's move of going over the top rope when he came into yeah. the ring. He'd walk yeah. over it to... And, and, you know and the giant didn't like that. It's funny you bring up Hogan though. Hogan, as much as I love him, a lot of his stories are not true. And I'll just tell you one that is definitely not true because I remember the whole card, and he just comes across as like a total idiot when he says this. He's talking about how he went to a Make a Wish Foundation thing, and this kid asked him, you know, could you? Uh, could you um send me something when you get to the ring or can you wave to me and acknowledge me? I'm going to be sitting in the front row. And this was at SummerSlam Wembley Stadium. And then H- Hogan tells the story that when he came to the ring, 
he saw the empty chair and he had realized the kid had died because he wasn't there. Hogan wasn't even on the card that night for oh, SummerSlam no Wembley Stadium. Yeah. And he's saying he was in the main event. He wasn't even on the card. He was nowhere to be found. And that's just one of like his outlandish stories. There's so many of them that like he says you would just like. Now has like, he has he been? I know he's had. Oh, like, and then his, Andre died a week later after their WrestleMania three match. I mean, hope he wrestled him a year later in just, the main event. Well, yeah. Hogan's an interesting character because there you have. I'd argue. I mean, like, yeah, Hogan was the guy, and I stopped watching, so I don't know if The Rock or uh, what's his name, John Cena, were at the same level of, of fame. But for my money, Hogan is the most famous oh, yeah. wrestler, I right? Mean, Am I wrong? You know, there, Stone or? Cold Steve Austin probably made more money in the short term than Hulk Hogan did, but Hulk Hogan made tons of money long term, and at the end of the day, like. Those cards filled up. Those WrestleManias filled up because they wanted to see Hogan. Hogan was the biggest yeah. ever. They tried the Ultimate Warrior. They tried to make him... They tried to have Hogan pass the torch, and he let the Warrior beat him. But after, like, six months, they weren't getting the same numbers they got with Hogan. They went back to Hogan again. And it, I, I find fascinating, like, Hogan's once my dog moving around again. One of the things that's fascinating about Hogan... Uh, and a lot of these guys, like I love uh, going on to YouTube and you just type in like, uh, I think it's called You Shoot. And it's these oh, guys. Shoot interviews. Yeah, yeah they're so fat. And, and yeah. you don't even have to be like half. Like I only, I, when I look back, I only watched for a couple of years, you know, from probably 81 to 85 when I was real young. Yeah. So I don't even remember a lot of it. But these guys, there is such a fascinating culture, especially of that time period when they work to keep the KFAB or, you know, keep it yeah. secret or whatever. They're very interesting uh, characters, just as people, uh, and 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 they have dark sides and and what? Oh, hi, Sophie. You, my dog probably has to go to the bathroom, but I mean, Hogan, his after. I mean, the, the guy had he was set, set. You know, yeah. famous, most famous wrestler of all time. Has a reality show with which his family on VH1 oh, probably yeah. makes it. Yeah. I, I I would assume that's a decent paycheck. And then gets embroiled with like that whole Bubba the Love Sponge oh, that sex tape garbage. Yeah. Like what? He, and then and then he's just essentially ruined for a while after that because he had said the N word on somebody yes. had recorded him, released yeah. that. Is he still connected? I heard they scrubbed they, all his they, stuff. They or? did, but they finally brought him back. He actually got okay. He actually um, did a lot of speaking, and I believe uh, they brought him back in the summer, like. Not on TV, but they had him in the like dressing room, and he talked to all the guys about how you gotta, you know, make sure keep your you head on straight. Yeah. But when Mean Gene Okerlund died, they had a tribute show, and they had Hogan come out and pay tribute to Mean Gene. So they have brought him back, but it took about five years yeah. to do it. You know, I mean, it, it was a mistake he made, and I'm sure you know he regrets it every day. But, I mean, the guy, when it came to wrestling, I mean, here's a guy who became a bad guy years later in another federation and still was at the top of his game. He was the number one bad guy, the number one draw. So, I mean, as a good guy, he was phenomenal, and then he proved he could be a bad guy, too. It's interesting to see, uh, just looking back now over the past 40 years, how Ric Flair was always he was always the NWA guy. He was always kind of the yeah. s- smaller market guy. He was always, in my opinion, he was less than Hogan because Hogan with Vince McMahon they took over the whole world. But Flair sort of hung on, you know. He's kind of like the Nolan Ryan of of right. He's just yeah. like he was still out there, and, and he finally, I think, 
got like the universal respect, but but later, like not not in the well, '80s, I don't think. Well, you know what? Again, you had said you stopped watching, but in the early '90s, they had a guy running the NWA, and the guy was not a fan of the older guys. He wanted to kind of weed them out, so he was kind of screwing with Ric Flair. So they had a, an issue over his contract, and he fired Ric Flair. So something that was unheard of back then, Ric Flair sent the NWA belt to the WWF. And on one of their shows one day, Bobby Heenan's holding the belt saying, you know, I have a guy who's under contract with another wrestling federation, but he may be coming here soon. And comparing this guy to Hulk Hogan is like comparing ice cream to horse manure. And it was just so well done. But he did come to the WWF. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and wrestled for, yeah. forever. I mean, the fact is oh. he's still kind of around or not? He's, he's around more as like an ambassador kind of thing. Like he'll show up at the big events. He'll okay. do his woo, you know, <laughs> all that thing. stuff. He it just was nice turned to... 70 and they had a 70th birthday party for him. You know, he's been appreciated, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you know, the biggest problem with him, and he'll tell you it too, is he just liked to party his whole life. Yeah, there's legendary yeah. story. Like Grantland had a story where it was like hanging out with Ric Flair for yeah. a week. And it was just like... You know, like I think um, he tells the story I brought up that SummerSlam at Wembley Stadium. Well, he wasn't even on the card that night. He was just going to interfere in a match. Well, they went to some place out there, some bar, and he had like a $30,000 tab. <laughs> Vince McMahon had to help him pay it. So, there were reports that he was living in a hotel because he owed taxes and he couldn't show himself yeah. in certain places. I don't know if any of that's true. I just remember reading yeah. it. Yeah, uh, and he's been married a bunch of times. He just got married for the fifth time. So, you know, that's the type of life a wrestler has. Yeah. Especially when you're famous. And down south in that territory, he was the most famous he guy. He was the guy. Yeah. And before, I mean, we should wrap this up, and I'm sorry yeah. to skip around so much. That's okay. But I just wanted to say, like, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper... Uh, yeah. It's so sad that he uh, is no longer with us. You know, he passed away. I saw him at a Monster Mania again. This this horror convention thing. They had a reunion of the guys from that movie. They live. Roddy Piper starred in They Live, and, and that was a pretty successful film. It's well, yeah. it, it was. It wasn't like successful when it came out, but it's it's has it's got a cult. Following. It's built up, yeah. and now it's you know beloved. Right. I mean, the same. It's directed by John Carpenter. Right. Same thing with the thing. He made the thing, and it was critics hated it. It was a bomb uh, when it came out right after Alien, uh, but now it's regarded as not only one of yeah. the greatest horror movies of all time, but one of the greatest movies of all time. But anyway, it was it was David Keith. I don't. I always get it, Keith David and David Keith. Confused. No, I think it was uh, David Keith. So he's up there. uh, uh, The lead actress is up there with John Carpenter and Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper just—he could tell a story, and he had a podcast for a while too. Like, just that guy could tell a story, like unlike anyone I've ever heard. Hilarious. He had, you know, he's in this ballroom. The place he stole it. I mean, John Carpenter's a living legend. The guy made Halloween. You know, he's like uh, a well-respected assault on precinct thirteen. Piper just owned the crowd. And it's so yeah. much respect for him, like the way he could just command an audience like that. His personality, his charisma. Yeah. And he was telling, I mean, who knows if these stories were true. And I thought maybe he was under the influence of something because it just seemed like he was just, well, the thing he was about, all over the place, but he was awesome. The thing about Piper is he never wanted them to ever say wrestling was fake. And if anybody ever did, he'd slap you in the face, hmm. like to show you that it wasn't fake. You know, he tried to protect the business as much as he could because... And one of the things you don't realize about him, if you ever read his book, he refused to put his shoulders on the mat for anybody. Oh, no kidding. He, wasn't, really? he said, he goes, 
he goes, I'm as good as anybody when it comes to being a fighter and you're not putting my shoulders on the mat unless you could prove you could do it. I'm not letting you do it. Oh, that's so, you know, he did for Bret Hart because he felt like Bret Hart was a great guy. He did it for him, but he never would do it for Hogan until years and years later. Not when they had their big thing, the rock and wrestling connection. Yeah. He never would. You know, kidding. And he drove Vince McMahon nuts. I mean, you could hear the stories. So Piper was that type of guy, though. He really believed, you know, in the wrestling. Yeah, he was great to see live. It's too bad he's not going to get a chance to do it again. All right, Mike, should we call it a day? Yeah, I think we've discussed enough. We hopefully hopefully yeah. this works. Uh, who do you got coming up on uh, Hometown Heroes on Channel 10? Well, I have Comcast. part two. It was supposed to air tonight. It'll probably air later this week. We had a little issue um, I'll have Greg Spock and Ken Chidoba. They were on the 1982 Derby basketball team. And, uh, you know, that was the last Derby team that had made the tournament until about 22 years later. So we kind of pay tribute to that 82 team. But next month, we're going to have Joe Bonanto, legendary high school coach. Joe Bonanto, actually, you talked about the Mets before. He's the big reason Ron Darling became a successful pitcher. Ron Darlin was an infielder, and Joe Bonanto took him aside and said, Ron, because he coached him at Yale. He said, Ron. no kidding. Yeah, he coached Ron Darlin at Yale. He said, Ron, if you want to be able to be a big league player someday, you need to be a pitcher. You're not an infielder. And Ron always tells the story whenever people ask him how he became a pitcher. He always mentions Joe Bonanto's name. No kidding. So, legendary coach and... It was a lot of fun talking to him, and part one will be next month. In May. Yeah, with Joe Bonanto. Awesome. So that's Channel 10 uh, Comcast. Check it out. And then it goes right to YouTube right after that. Sweet. All right, Mike. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it, Eugene.